Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you to Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. Our online presence is hosted by our good friends at JustTheNews.com, but we are available wherever you get your podcasts for this one and only instance. I'm going to grant legitimacy to what the show really is today, as is it is every day. It's the Bauer Hour. I literally walked back into my home, what is it now, 21 minutes ago. I just got off a plane from Turkey and Israel, uh, flew all night, did not watch one word of the debate, haven't even showered, haven't even shaved. And so this is going to be Gary's, Gary's moment to shine or flop. But before we start... I have got to tell this story. I'm sitting uh, in Istanbul yesterday waiting for my connection to Miami, and I've got a name tag on my backpack. And I was on the phone, and I didn't notice it at the time, but this uh, Turkish gentleman, nice man, very tall, by the way, probably like 6'6", says something to his wife. His wife starts Googling. They come over to me and ask if I'm from the... Bauer and Rose podcast. This is, these are Turks. The man's name is, oh gosh, um, is Ogus Khan Ermic. And uh, he's a, a political consultant, works in Africa. But here I am in Istanbul and I, I just was, I don't know. So we had, he, they listen every week. Wow. Um, and you know, they're in Turkey. So I just thought that was. And, and this man was cool. not like on a, a a pass from an asylum or anything like that. He was an actual functioning no, citizen of the world. He, he actually asked whether you're permitted to do the show from your asylum. <laughs> I like this guy already. He's got a great <laughs> sense of humor. So, well, Gary, that- the show is yours. I didn't. Sir, you're going to have to. This is your show today. I'll chime in, but I, I didn't see a second of the debate. How was it? Did it change anything? Who shined? Who stank? Um, so you're, you're, just, you have not heard this morning that they canceled the debate? No. no I, when did they cancel the debate? I was just pointing your leg. Uh, anyway, so yeah, thanks, folks, thanks, I thanks. wish you could have seen the, vote, the face I just saw on the screen. Uh, but it was, worth, it was worth it, Tom. Why do I, why do I even... Why do I listen to you ever? I, I don't know. It's a question many people have asked, including <laughs> my wife. Um, yeah, and I, as, as luck or fortune would have it, Tom, I'm, I'm wrestling with some sort of uh, upper, upper respiratory something or other. And uh, uh, if I talk too much, I'll probably go into a coughing jack. We might just want to 
uh, take this hour and sort of meditate, play soothing <laughs> mu- music in the background. Because I, I have a feeling, Tom, that the country needs some soothing music after last night's debate. And I don't want to dwell on the debate because you're at an unfair advantage. And I don't like beating an opponent that, you know, has one arm tied behind his back. You're not going to be able to. Both arms tied behind my back. Yeah, but uh, it was uh, no, I I would not be surprised if if the polling that comes out later in the week shows that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris went up a couple of points. This was a you know what show. Oh, really? They they talked over each other, not just two people talking over each other. Sometimes it was three, four, five of them all oh, okay. talking at the same time. It was so sad. It began really at a bad note because one of the moderators was a woman from Univision. And Tom, uh, you, you might know this. She's a leftist. She's right. a pro-amnesty we talked yeah, about so, But is Univision, what, what is the relationship between Univision and Fox? Is, is there something? My guess is they helped pay for the debate. I have no idea. But that this woman whose name escapes me, and it's a good thing, I'm, I have limited brain cell capacity as it is. I don't need to waste what uh, limited capacity I have on, on non-entities. But she's a leftist. She's pro-open borders. She's pro-amnesty. I never understood why she was a moderator to begin with. And then it was Stuart Varney's very good. I don't know whether he was last night. Dana Perino seems like a lovely woman, but just doesn't impress me at all. Yeah. So, um, so in the beginning of the debate, Stuart, who I agree is a great guy and pretty solid, uh, flubbed the Univision woman's name when he was attempting to uh, introduce her. She, of course, did what we all knew she would do. She says a few remarks in English, and then she says them in Spanish. And then every question she asked was attacking the Republican candidates from their left, basically at a time when the entire country is in near meltdown over what's happening at our border. She was asking questions over and over again, pushing amnesty and open borders to the Republican candidates. Now, Tom, here is where I think Donald Trump might have missed a bet by not being there, because I believe if Donald Trump was there, he would have said to her, excuse me, you may be at the wrong site. This is not a debate to choose the president of Mexico. This is a debate to pick the president of the United States. I think he would have said that. Not one. Okay, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, was there any pushback from anybody? I no. Not one of those candidates had, I don't know if it was a lack of courage, worried about, you know, alienating the Hispanic vote. I thought there was just a gift sitting out there, you know. I I mean, for one of them to say, you know, (laughs) uh, do you get your check directly from the DNC or is it deposited in your bank account, you know, uh, by it being wired? I, I mean, it was ridiculous, Uh, And, of course, they show one clip by Ronald Reagan. It was a clip where Ronald Reagan was explaining why he did amnesty. Now, as you know, Tom, (laughs) because you follow everything Ronald Reagan ever said, and I worked for him for eight years, Ronald Reagan, in short order, said the amnesty he signed on to, which he signed on to because he had a pledge written in blood 
from Tip O'Neill and the others on Capitol Hill, the other leftists, that they would secure the border. They didn't secure the border. And he said it was the biggest mistake of his presidency. This is the way it always is, Tom. Once a president, and particularly a Republican president, buys into, well, of course, we've got to give amnesty to these people who came here and they've sunk down roots now. They are part of our communities. They go to our schools. We work with them. It would be insane to try to send them back. Uh, you never can undo an amnesty once you give it. And, of course, they were pushing last night that this is what comprehensive immigration reform would look like. The moderators or the candidates? The, 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 this particular moderator, but also I assume Fox News had to agree to play the clip by Ronald Reagan that, that made it, you know, that pointed out to everybody, Ronald Reagan was an amnesty guy. So look, the Murdoch family, Tom, from everything I know about him, they, they are weak on mass migration. In fact, I hear, maybe you can correct me, you probably know more about this, that they, they've done a lot to mold the modern day Tory party in Great Britain to Absolutely. the Tory party's disadvantage. The Tories have been unreliable when it comes to mass migration. They've been un, uh, unreliable on values issues. And the, the Murdoch family is all in on globalism, all in on mass migration, and all in on staying away from those pesky social issues. I'm surprised because I am a big fan of Stuart Varney. Um, and Stuart is incredibly articulate in his outspoken opposition to illegal immigration, to open borders, to the damage it causes the country. Do you think he was muzzled or did he, again, I'm going to, I didn't see one millisecond of it. So I, well, yes, the other people ask questions that, that, uh, as I recall that, you know, took the right angle to get at the border issue. It's just that every time she had a chance to talk, uh, she she did the exact opposite. And here, here was one of the ones, Tom, that literally, I mean, I lost two hours of my life last night. I'll never get back. It's a lot like the Bower and Rose show in that respect. But <laughs> at any rate, um, she uh, she pushed back against the idea that fentanyl is pouring across our border by saying that 90 percent of all the fentanyl fentanyl that is seized is seized at the port of entries. Well, that is a complete distortion, a statistical distortion. Saying 90% of the fentanyl is that seized is seized at the port of entries ignores <laughs> all the fentanyl that is not seized which is coming in backpacks and, you know, whatever vehicle possible by the millions of getaways that are crossing our border and never apprehended. Nobody on the no, none of the candidates made that point. There was a journalistic example of that yesterday. I was a day behind, so I'm not sure when the article actually came out online. New York Times, of course, that's my Across uh, to bear that I read that rag sheet. Front page story, I don't know, probably 35 column inches, 40 column inches, about the quote unquote threats that all the Trump prosecutors are coming under. Um, and 
the story led with the headline that 4% of Americans say it would be justified to use force to return Donald Trump to the White House. They kept repeating that over and over. It came from a study, I believe, out of, I can't remember, maybe Case Western or something. And they totally ignored, never even mentioned that 13% of Americans think violence would be appropriate to keep Donald Trump out of the White House. Yeah. It's like it, it isn't even that their opinions are different than ours, Gary, or their perspective on statistics is different or they, they glean uh, – entirely different meanings from the same facts or circumstance. They simply prevent their readers from even knowing the others, not just the other side of the story, but relevant facts that completely diminish, if not obliterate the very points they're ineffectively trying to make. No, you're absolutely right, Tom. Look, when you do talking points, if you're at the RNC and you do RNC talking points for Republican candidates, you don't give the other side of the story. If you're at the DNC and you give talking points, you don't give the Republican side of the story. But if you're in the media, you're supposed to present both sides of the argument. Media stories are a complete duplication of DNC talking points. And irony of ironies, the, the media, what's left of it, is under pressure in the last week to stop being so even-handed. I mean, what more can they do, you know, to be not even-handed? And yet it's still not enough because I think the left is scared to death that they are going to um, uh, have to watch Donald Trump get sworn in again. Now, Tom, uh, you, while you were on the plane flying back, and I first saw tip of the hat – that you're even upright and uh, standing there, sitting there willing to do the show, I would have used the excuse. You're doing the show. I got news for you. (laughs) I mean, look, if I have a high, if if I have a long commute from my office to the, uh, from my house to the office, I I ponder in the mornings of our show whether I should use that as an excuse to not be available. I'm just too (laughs) exhausted from the commute. But uh, Donald Trump last night, spoke at an auto uh, supply a supply uh, company uh, to uh, an audience of blue collar workers outside that they, they could not accommodate. You know, they could they could only accommodate a couple hundred people outside. There were thousands of people uh, demonstrating in his favor. And in his remarks, he said um, uh, to these blue collar workers to, to all the diecasters and and the factory workers and and the the makers of steel and the and then this and the that and the that you know God bless you you made America you're the heart of America you're what keeps America competitive in the world and it was all completely natural he because he's been saying this stuff for 35 40 years it's not new. Nobody on that stage last night, Tom, uh, was able to talk to middle America. And I think if they tried, they would, it would sound contrived. Uh, I, look, Tim Scott thought it was really a good idea to continue to side with the owners of the auto companies instead of the workers. Does he realize the owners all together 
you, you know, get what is that? 25 votes and that the workers are still you know, a few thousand voters, even though most of their jobs have been sent overseas. I, I, I just there's so many people in our party whose instincts are terrible. I mean, I, I'm just looking at while I was pretending to listen to you, just looking at our favorite conservative website, uh, NRO, National Review, um, and Chris Christie's Great Night. Uh, what did Chris Christie do or say that made him uh, – this is just yeah. the Noah Rothman headline. A muddled result favoring the candidate least likely to consolidate the Trump skeptical votes only makes Trump's nomination more likely, but it was Chris Christie's night. Yeah, I, I mean this shows you where the heads of the people at National Review are. They're stuck up there. I faded out there at the end. Uh, but you can use your imagination where those heads are stuck up. So I only read the headline. I, I haven't know. even opened the story, so I don't. What did he say? What no, ha- well, what? he uh, first of all he repeated uh, uh, a major Democrat talking point, and our friend uh, Mike Pence corrected him. Christie said Donald Trump only built fifty-two miles of wall. Now that is a talking point. Right not, out of totally the DNC. Bad. And he knows it. So it's in addition to everything it's else, he's out. lying. Right. He's lying. And folks, for those of you who've heard this and, and think, wait a minute, that a lot of what the Trump-Pence administration did was replace wall that wasn't wall. The so-called wall was, you know, these little barriers you see on a sidewalk to make you walk out in the street if somebody's washing the windows on an office building. That was called wall. The, the Trump administration replaced those things with real wall. But because this, the, the junk beforehand was called wall, the Democrats are claiming, oh, he only built 52 miles, you know, and there's Christie repeating that lie. Unbelievable. And then what he thought was his big moment of the night, he said, um, you know, we know why he's not here. We know why Donald Trump's not here, Uh, why he ducks the debates. He's a coward. He's a coward. Uh, If he keeps it up, he's going to be known as Donald Duck uh, instead of Donald Trump. Now, how clever. Tell the American people that Donald Trump is a coward. This man ran into the teeth of more leftists in America in the last seven years than the entire Republican Party put together. In fact, he 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 shamed the typical Republican who most of the time spends their time underneath their desk, hoping nobody will notice them. Because that could get uncomfortable. Uh, so when you're when you're up on a stage saying things like that, and then the William F. Buckley founded magazine National Review thinks he dominated the debate. What a joke! I, I, <laughs> I the story that that fascinated me it depressed me more than the debate because i didn't know anything about it i just read some stuff online before i got on this 15 hour plane ride was the judge's issuance of summary judgment in the trump fraud case in new york now that just 
Donald Trump basically now is banned, barred from doing business in New York State. There was no trial. The judge issues summary judgment based upon a civil suit filed by uh, the state attorney general whose campaign platform was, I'm going to get Donald Trump. Now, the fraud charge was that Donald Trump inflated the values of some of his assets. But for fraud, and you're the lawyer, you know this better than I, for fraud to occur, someone has to be defrauded. If Donald Trump said that one of his buildings was worth $250 million, and there was an assessment that said it was $180 million, and he obtained investors, obtained either uh, conventional or commercial f- commercial financing, there was not one instance in the suit where any lender had been defrauded, all the premiums were paid, there wasn't a single person who didn't get the exact return that was promised, and then the judge in New York State values Mar-a-Lago at $17 million, and the Trump organization was able to produce independent third-party assessments, one of which valued Mar-a-Lago at $1.3 billion. And there's no trial. They issue a summary judgment. Donald Trump is fined $250 million, and his business licenses in New York are now revoked. What and, and I don't know whether this is, again, I haven't been around, so I don't know if this is getting the attention that it struck me like God almighty. It, this is, I, I've never heard of anything like this. Yeah, Tom, it's gotten not nearly the attention it deserves. Look, the silverware at Mar-a-Lago is worth more than, than, uh, you know, a 10 mil billion or $10 million or whatever. It's ludicrous, but there was very little said about it on Fox yesterday. Very little outrage by so-called conservative columnists that uh, write for liberal newspapers. This, this is a perfect example of using the American legal system, which the left is doing in order to destroy their political opponents. It's disgusting. It's ugly. It's uh, it's pushing the country to the edge of something really bad uh, because this is being done to him because he continues to fight for middle America. And they can't stand it. The elites of the Republican Party can't stand it. And the Democrat Party can't stand it. I, I just have never. Again, I don't know the New York statute, but. Fraud cases are typically brought when people have been defrauded. They didn't, this Letitia James didn't even claim in her 107 page civil suit that there were any investors or any, uh, uh, bondholders or customers that had been defrauded. And there's also this notion of caveat emptor. If you're going to invest in a project, a significant amount of money as a lender or an equity partner, Ah, you do it when you buy a home, you get your own inspector, you hire your own assessor. So the fact that no premiums were missed, no covenants were broken, and I I just think, I, I don't know the precedent, but I cannot imagine anything like this has ever happened before, that you have a state prosecutor in the form of an attorney general who runs for office promising to put somebody out of business to go after Donald Trump 
and a judge, rather than allowing evidentiary motions and discovery, issues a summary judgment. Does that mean it's over, that there's no possibility of a trial? Yeah, I, you know, that's the same question I had. I mean, how do you appeal this? How do you... Uh, get justice out of this. Uh, it's, it's incredible, Tom. And it's, uh, if, uh, I don't think Republicans understand this or they choose to ignore it or they don't care or whatever. Every time something like this is done to Trump, it has set a precedent and it will be used against every Republican unless they toe the line. Uh, this is, that this is taking over the country by a neo-Marxist left that is willing to use the courts, to use whatever they have to use, U.S. intelligence agencies, uh, law enforcement, whatever they have to use to crush their opponents. And uh, it, it, it's a crisis. Uh, look, the Trump campaign last night issued a statement, public statement, uh, asking the RNC to cancel the rest of the debates. And, and said that uh, all this is doing is helping uh, Joe Biden. Uh, it, this is a, you know, a, a moment in the country where everything's up for grabs. Uh, we're, we're teetering on the edge of losing our constitutional republic. And these, and these uh, jokes being called debates are making it more likely that we're not going to be able to stop this. I understand why he says it, saying that, but, but I actually think it's a, a valid point. Tom, another thing that I, I, I can't believe that someone didn't do last night was when they were asked their first question was to simply say, look, uh, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to answer your question. I'm going to make a commitment, uh, and I hope my colleagues will join me. I am not going to utter one word of criticism of Donald Trump tonight. I think Donald Trump did a great job as president. I just think that I've got more uh, a better chance of winning and finishing that job than he does, because unfortunately, uh, the left is destroying the man in a way that is unprecedented in American politics. But I don't see why any of us on this stage should join the leftist mob and attacking the man that millions of Americans believe is the only major political figure that cares about them, that loves them, that is willing to give up everything for them, I will not join the anti-Trump mob. I think that person would have been hands down the winner of the debate and probably would have been able to have any position in the Trump administration that he or she wanted to have. But no, none of them were even capable of doing something like that. I, I don't get it. I don't get what they're all thinking about how you run for a nomination in a party where at a bare minimum, 50% of that party will fall on their swords for Donald Trump. Probably it's closer to 60, 65%. And where millions of other people in the party will simply not vote because they're not really Republicans. They're populists. They'll just go away if he's not the nominee. So this whole thing seems to be an exercise in self-destruction, and uh, it's helping nobody but Biden, Harris, and that gang. I realize that this Judge Angeron, or whatever his, the heck his name was, uh, the ruling came out yesterday. Did it come up at all in the debate? I mean, there's no victim. 
There was no harm to any creditor, no harm to any investor. They could produce no bank, no insurance company, no hedge fund to say, uh, he cheated us, he ruined us, uh, or damn, nothing. Nothing. There was not a single shred of evidence that anyone was defrauded. And did this come up at all? Uh, you know, I, I want to say no, but I, I have to be honest. I cannot tell a lie. That's what my parents taught me with uh, the story of George Washington and the cherry tree back when we actually taught about our national heroes. Right. You, you fell asleep. Uh, I, I, I fell off a couple of times. And uh um, and, and I, you know, usually when I do that, I, I'll, I'll think, oh no, I've fallen asleep. I don't want to lose the plot line. But I, I knew I didn't have to worry about that because the plot line was so weak in that debate. I could have probably slept through, you know, an hour and a half of the two hours and not really have missed anything. I don't recall it ever coming up. They were, do, they were too busy, you know, Tim Scott, uh, attacking H uh, Nikki Haley because, of how much the drapes in her office at the UN caused, cost, <laughs> or uh, several of the candidates talking, uh, attacking Vivek because, um, he once had an investment in, uh, in communist China or, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, attacking Trump because he wasn't tough enough on China. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on, Tom. I, I, I think Nikki Haley. I mean, again, uh, this is I'm. Uh, this is a complete confession of an utter ignoramus. I didn't see it. Nikki Haley was governor of South Carolina for eight years. She never talks about her accomplishments or lack thereof. She never talks about. What she did as governor of South Carolina, why not? Maybe because she didn't do anything? Uh, well, from your lips to God's uh, ears. I mean, Tim Scott pointed out that uh, that she uh, proposed a 10 cent tax on uh, gasoline. Uh, I'm sure that really endeared that little bit of knowledge endeared people to her while gas is approaching four dollars a gallon again. Um I, I don't know, Tom, what what she did do in the state. I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's it, it. If you've done a lot, I would think you would want to brag about it. But the, you know, it really irritated me when she's saying, you know, well, all that Donald Trump did with China was put tariffs uh, on uh, on Chinese goods. Well, I figured, well, that's Nikki Haley, you know, groveling at the feet of the donor class of the Republican Party who don't want tariffs on the cheap goods that their companies are making in China and sending into the United States. But then she said he didn't do anything about the Chinese buying farmland in the United States. He didn't do anything about this. He didn't do anything about that. He didn't do anything about this. He didn't do it. He just went down. She went down this litany of things. But the, she she failed to say the one thing that would have made the point valid. She could have said, I brought up all these things to him when I was in the administration and he turned me down. No, because she didn't bring up any of those things to him. She went to the U.N. every day and she did what the White House told her to do. That was the extent of Nikki Haley's involvement in the Trump Pence White House. For all of 16 months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I... I I don't know. I mean, again, I, I didn't. What were some of the questions that weren't asked 
that should have been asked. Uh, election integrity, did that come up? Did weaponization come up? No, did- no, no. No, uh, there was um, there, there there were there were a lot of questions that gave the people there an opportunity if they wanted to segue, but they didn't. They didn't segue. Um, I mean, clearly, the number one issue right now is the economy and how badly Biden's screwing it up. The runaway inflation. I mean, look, they could have, they should have all just kept bringing it back to that. Uh, but, but they didn't. And then Fox all day yesterday was also touting, oh, now we definitely do have a debate that's going to take place at the end of November, uh, between DeSantis and, uh, and, and, uh, the governor of California. Oh, this is going to be big. This is going to be huge. You know, really? That's, uh, so a, a Democrat that's not the nominee of the Democrat Party and a Republican that doesn't look like he's going to be the nominee of the Republican Party are going to debate on Fox for what purpose, to what end? Uh, why does it matter? Um, by the way, Christie um, said in uh, the debate that uh, how can you expect – uh, Joe Biden to fight the teacher unions uh, when he's uh, sleeping with uh, uh, the the head teacher, um, <laughs> and so uh, our friend, um, your friend, our friend Mike Pence took that opportunity to say, "Oh, no, just a minute here. I just want to point out that uh, for 38 years uh, I've been sleeping with a teacher." Uh, his uh, I thought it was kind of when funny. His delivery wasn't great. Uh, yeah. But but Tom, here's here's the point I wanted to get to um, uh, Ainsley on uh, on Fox this morning. God, God bless her little soul. And she seems like a really nice lady. I think she your first thing I can tell she's a wonderful mother. Um, she said uh, and this was like in the first couple minutes of uh, the show. She goes, uh, well, there were some bombshells last night. Uh, I think it was Chris Christie that that uh, shocked everybody by saying that uh, apparently President Biden or was charging President Biden was uh, with sleeping with uh, uh, Weingartner, the, the president of the NEA. <laughs> and uh, one of the other panelists. Yeah, she was certainly uh, not born at the deep end of the gene pool. One, one of the other morning hosts said, no, no, no Ainsley, that that was she that that was a joke about the fact that the first lady is a teacher. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I guess I missed the point there. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, Randy Weingartner, who is um, and I'm not doing anything inappropriate here. She's an open lesbian was probably shocked that she was sleeping with the president of the United States, uh, as was probably her wife, uh, who currently serves on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. And many can argue, and some have, there was a piece recently, I recall, I can't remember where or by who, that classified Randy Weingarten as, or Gartner, whatever her name is, as the most dangerous person in America, because she controls... Not just teachers' unions, but as a result, public education in the United States. She is the leading opponent for school choice, 
We cite these statistics all the time. We did so the other day. Not a single child in any of Baltimore's 13 public high schools, not one is proficient at grade level in math. She's the one who's dumbing our kids, who's denying parents the choice to send their children to the school of their choice or educate them how they choose. She's imprisoned generations of American children in government schools, the result of which is that we have, in the year 2023... A remarkably high percentage, if not a plurality, of illiterate high school graduates. Illiterate. Yeah, and it's... How do you compete? Do you think that's happening in China, Gary? No, it's, it's, uh, it's not happening in, in, uh, in communist China, Tom. And, uh, and, and you, you know, not, not only is it not happening in communist China... They're, they're turning out more engineers every year than I think we turn out college graduates. I mean, it's unbelievable. The numbers are mind blowing. In, in the summer, by the way, you know, we talked to some, some weeks ago about how there's this new phenomenon in, in the United States where, uh, people are setting up summer camps, uh, for kids to go to who are LGBTQ plus. Uh, so that everybody at the camp is is a member of the uh, alphabet mafia. Um, that that's what we think is a really neat idea. Meanwhile, this summer, all over communist China, hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions, of elementary school children went to camps run by the People's Liberation Army, where they learned patriotic songs, learned how to. Uh, take apart and put together a gun, how to use the gun. They're learning this at the ages of 8, 9, 10, 11, etc. Uh, meanwhile, our children are learning that there are 52 genders. You know, Tom, these reading tests they're giving, and they're all failing the reading tests and the, the math tests. What do you think the results would be if they asked kids in school uh, to list as many of the 52 genders as they could? I, I, you know, in spite of all the weird indoctrination going on, I'm pretty sure the average kid probably couldn't name more than three, maybe. <laughs> uh, so uh, you, you mentioned, um, you know, we both mentioned um, Ms. Weingartner's um, um, orientation. Uh, the, 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 both teacher unions, if you read the resolutions they pass at their annual conventions, it would make you throw up. And that, that's an interesting thing, Tom. Uh, the RNC ought to be putting stuff out on that all the time. You wonder why your teacher's doing crazy things, why your teacher in your kid's school is hanging up uh, every flag imaginable except the U.S. flag in their classroom, why your kid is coming home and acting sheepishly about things, and you go, John, what's going on? Well, something happened in the classroom today, and my teacher told me not to tell you. If you're wondering why that stuff's happening, just look at the resolutions being passed at these teacher union conventions. This stuff is so far left. Resolutions condemning capitalism, condemning America, promoting the LGBTQ agenda, 
uh, pr promoting the whole transgender, you know, mutilating surgeries for eight years old, eight year olds, etc. Uh, you know, attacking the American founding. We have turned our children over to people who, if they are successful, will com will make us completely unable to resist the growing evil around the world. You know, I, I get asked frequently who I spent uh, four years in the White House with President Trump and Vice President Pence. I was the vice president's senior advisor and chief strategist. I, I get asked just by friends or acquaintances, whatever, who's the most dangerous person in the world? And I always have answered that. Xi Jinping, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, the Ayatollahs, whatever. And when I sit back and think about it, uh, it was Mike Pompeo. I remember in a meeting uh, with the vice president at his office at the Foggy Bottom. I was in the meeting. I just sat there like a, a stump on a log like you're supposed to. That's really hard respect. to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a stump on a log. And Pompeo really... I mean, he laid it out that um, as great as our foreign enemies are, we are uh, well on the way to an internal disintegration due to the uh, ever worsening failures in our education system. I mean, the danger that this woman presents and the organization that she represents and the whole movement uh, exceeds all of the bad guys you could think of because her power, her ideas and her, let's be honest, anti-student policies, uh, if allowed to continue, will end up destroying the country. I mean, she has this utter unwillingness to defend any of the any of the values that our country was built upon, any of the institutions that ensure our freedom and liberty. And, uh, it, you know, you have this problem that we faced. I was involved in. It was one of my uh, bailiwicks was, was industrial espionage and uh, intellectual property theft by the Chinese government under the rubric of any of their state-owned enterprises. He... The Chinese can steal our jobs and our technology um, as he poisons us with fentanyl, and Kim Jong-un can, can improve his missiles, and it all gets easier for them because our internal strength and structure is rotting from inside. We're making these bad guys' jobs that much easier. There's no, there's no question about it, Tom. And it's, it's coming at a time in our history where, you know, we, we don't have the overwhelming power that we had at the end of World War II. When you look at the statistics of what the world was like in the years after the war, uh, how much worldwide manufacturing was accounted for by the United States industrial base, uh, all the things that, that you would use to measure power, uh, we, we were hands down uh, the, the leader of the entire world. And we were able to uh, impose a foreign policy and certain ideas around a, a, a good bit of the world. Uh, we're, we're not able to do that today, uh, you know, largely because of our largesse. A number of these countries, uh, you know, are, are rising up. 
in this country for our people to rise up, uh, an education was always the vehicle. And there's a lot of complaints on the left these days that, you know, this is no longer the country where uh, somebody can, you know, be poor and in their own lifetime end up, you know, being successful. Well, the main reason, one of the main reasons for that is that the left is at war with everything that makes that possible. And one of the big things that makes that possible is getting a good education, studying hard, not only getting book learning, but learning what the secrets to success are. You know, perseverance, hard work, reliable standards of right and wrong, able to crawl out of bed in the morning and get to a job on time, respecting authority. Uh, you know, we found out years ago that if you wanted to be successful in America, it really wasn't that hard. You just needed to stay in school until you graduated from high school. You needed to take the first job you could. Don't think any job was below you. And uh, and then the third thing was, if you don't join the military, which was also a, uh, a factor of getting uh, a successful life, um, try to find the person you want to spend your life with and get married. People that did those things, stayed in high school and graduated from high school, took the first job they could and got married. Within just a few years, 99% of them had escaped poverty. It's a very simple thing. But all of those things are things that the left wars against, laughs about, has deconstructed, and we are paying a terrible, terrible price for it. You're not even allowed to you're not even allowed to discuss it, to talk about it. Every major social pathology of our time, from crime to gangs to drug abuse to alcohol to uh teen dropouts or uh kids that fail in school, teen pregnancy, suicide, violence, domestic violence against women correlates more strongly to fatherlessness or to single parent to single mothers than any other factor in our society which is why the exploding prevalence of these single parent households is by far in my opinion anyway the single greatest social issue of our time we're not i mean forget about competing with china or korea or japan or um any of the aggressive, family-oriented uh, Asian countries that we have to compete with. Forget about I'm not talking about military here, Gary. I'm just talking about economics. I'm talking about human advance. I mean, we are betraying our kids. That's, that's, we're, be, we're betraying their future. We're denying them all the opportunities that education confers. It, it, Failing to teach math or science or true history, not fake history, civics, how our system works, the sacrifices that were made to keep our freedoms and to imprint upon our younger generation the the true lottery winners of the world. You're born with an American passport. You've won the lottery. This is going to doom the next generation, and it's going to doom everybody that in, in the world that relies on us or that counts on us. It's not just going to be us. It's going to be our allies and our partners 
uh, around the world. I'm thinking of countries, you know, smaller countries like Israel, um, uh, like Taiwan, even our strong allies, our great allies like Japan. Um, thinking of Eastern Europe, the Baltics. I mean, we're we're dooming the world that counts on us in addition to dooming ourselves. So we've not only deconstructed the schools with the nonsense that's in there, as we both have pointed out, we deconstructed the family so that in 1960, 5% of babies in the United States were born out of wedlock. And for the latest years that we have uh, figures, it's now 50% of all children are born out of wedlock. Uh, among the minority community, it literally is seventy uh, percent or or more. There's a new book out, Tom, um, not about white privilege or any other kind of privilege like that. The book is called "The Two Parent Privilege," and what the author is saying, she's not attacking two parent families. She's pointing out that having two parents is the way to have an uh, an edge up a step up on everybody else because it's becoming rarer and rarer and children need, and I know this will cause heads to explode, they don't need two mothers. They don't need two fathers. They need a mother and a father. These are not interchangeable things. Mothers bring something to the table of rearing a child that is entirely different than what fathers bring to the table in raising a child. And the failure of our society to be willing and able to debate that and what we're going to do to make sure more children have mothers and fathers. Instead, we go down the road of redefining marriage so that men can marry men and women can marry women. And now if you object to that, you're a Neanderthal, a bigot, a homophobe or whatever. Uh, I don't know. What, what, are we, what should we call people that are afraid of children succeeding? There should be a name for that because we have public uh, policy that guarantees our children won't succeed. I think we call them Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that happy note, Tom, what do you think? Can I, can I go take a shower? I, I, we all wish you would. I, I mean, not down. only have I <laughs> not only have I not showered, have I not shaved? I also haven't deodorized. So I imagine I smell like Ronald Reagan's uh, ranch in the area where the horses were kept. If you get if you get my drift, I, I do catch your drift, and um, I, I'm just glad that Zoom does Zoom's great on volume and good on the. Uh, <clears throat> the quality of the photo, but fortunately, it does not transmit odor. <laughs> That's a good thing, because our Zoom connection would have dropped long ago. Well, I kind of like this, Bauer doing all the work on a Bauer and Rose show. I, I could get used to this. Now you tell me. I could have done this many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend, everybody. God bless. And um, we will talk to you next week. God bless. Absolutely. Absolutely. 